0: Well, hello, my loves, and welcome to the Southern Witching Hour podcast. It's Lady G, and baby, we're going straight to the porch today, honey. (laughs) We ain't even going inside the house. We're going straight to the porch. Now, today I had a couple of things that I wanted to talk about. First, I want to talk about Tina Turner. You know, we lost her, I believe it was on May 24th, and I just felt like I wanted to say a couple of things about her. Now, first of all, let me just say Miss Queen Diva, Tina Turner, was like one of the very first stars that I ever saw that looked like me or somebody in my family, honey. And she was up there on that stage running it. (laughs) Now, we didn't know what was going on behind the scenes with Ike at the time, but baby, when she was on stage, she ran that joker, do you hear me? Now, I remember I used to go and run and get a towel and put it on my head, honey. And when they got on there and started singing, um, Rolling on the River Proud Mary, <laughs> boy, you could tell me I wasn't Tina herself. I would get up there rolling on the river, do-do-do-do-do-do, huh, turn it out, turn it out. Now, she put on a show and I loved it. Now, I will say later in life, as I grew up, I started to feel a little bit of, I don't know, ambivalence maybe about Tina, because I thought that she had like turned her back on the United States maybe, or the um, the South in particular. You know, she was um, so into Europe and... So into that lifestyle, but I didn't know what the hell I was thinking, (laughs) or should I say I had no insight to what her life was and why she chose the path that she chose for herself. Um, I had no understanding. And that's one thing I want to make sure I highlight. You know you don't know a person's path, you don't know what they've been through, so it's just not a good idea to question what folks do because you have no idea about um you know what that person has had to endure in in their lives so for instance, we know now after she published that book i Tina that she was born into a lot of um violence a lot of um just domestic you know disorder i guess is a good word for it a lot of her life was just not very consistent she moved around a lot back and forth and her parents fought a lot and you know that gave you some insight as to where she was coming from and of course she came from a small town nutbush <laughs> nutbush city limits <laughs> in Tennessee, which is kind of ironic because on an interview, she said that Nutbush really was more of a community. It never was a city, but the closest city was, I think she said Brownsville, Tennessee, but it was close to Memphis as well. So I think Memphis, as she said, was the big city for her. Again, I got a lot more insight into her life um, when I went to watch the movie, What's Love Got to Do With It? Me and my cousin Ron went to see this movie. And, you know, don't get me wrong, we probably laughed at a lot of stuff that... (laughs) we probably shouldn't have because Ike was, I mean, Larry Fishburne played the hell out of Ike in this, in this movie. And it's really kind of iconic in the, um, in black Southern culture. I mean, if I said, you trying to help Ike, you trying to help Ike, Ike don't need no help. You know, everybody will fall out laughing, but, but what was going on in that scene was really quite abusive. So, you know, I feel you know, I feel kind of, um, ambivalent about that because, um, this was a woman who endured a lot of abuse and, um, the movie did kind of offer a bit of comic relief, you know, when they were displaying that, um, I got my notes here. So if you hear me flipping around pages, then you know what that is, but you know, after, reading the book and watching the movie, it all began to make sense. And I learned from her that if you want to make a major change in your life, whether it's emotional, physical, financial, because she endured emotional, physical, and financial abuse, um, you have to do something. You have to make a change in your life. And for her, it was her finding of Buddhism and, and the fact that she started chanting. And, you know, a lot of times if you watch interviews with um, Tina Turner and they ask her about the nam myoho renge she would say that, that basically it was something that you could chant if you want to have change in your life, I've often um also heard over the years people describe that chant as a road opener of sorts, a way to um to get rid of obstacles. Now, I'm not about to say that you need to be chanting nam myoho renge to change your life. <laughs> I mean, you don't have to become a Buddhist. You don't have to do anything. I'm just telling you what Tina said worked in her life. Now, again, I found myself really sad when I found out she had passed away because she was so iconic. And I'll tell you, I have followed Tina over the years. And um, someone close to me asked me about this because they were like, you're watching a lot of Tina stuff. But anybody who knows me very well knows that I have watched many of her interviews and, you know, things for a long time. But more recently, I've been kind of going back to some of my favorite different things about her on YouTube. So, for example, the Larry King interview. Now, that one is a really good one to watch. And if I think about it at the end, I will ask Editing Lady G to add the link. But honey, if she don't, she don't. Just go Google it. (laughs) Larry King, Tina Turner interview. I just loved it because she explained in there the fact that she was so loved in Europe and that she was... bigger in Europe than Madonna was here in the United States. And that really did say something. And in a different interview, you know, she was, you know, she talked about how they were able to accept her as a rock and roll singer, a rock and roll star. And that just was never going to happen for her in the United States. So, you know, again, maybe her chanting helped her to open the road to the kind of life that would provide her the acceptance and the opportunities that, that she was looking for. I recently bought her book, her newest book called Happiness Becomes You. I had never heard of that book. Of course, I heard of I, Tina, and I knew she wrote maybe one other book about her love, her love story with her um, second husband Erwin Bach. Now, of course, that dude really stuck by her because in the end he actually gave her one of his kidneys, honey. And that Joker is 16 years younger than Tina Turner. And she was like, you know, baby, I'm old. <laughs> it don't make no sense for you as a young man to give me your kidney. But according to her, he was pretty insistent on it. So, you know, I have a lot of respect for him. Um Anyway, she talks about in her book, Happiness Becomes You, how you can, you know, make whatever steps you need to make to create the life that you want. And I really can't wait to dig down deep into it. And I'm, I'm basically planning on studying that thing for the duration, as we say here in the South. <laughs> and if you don't know what that means, that means a long ass time. Now, I want to tell you about some of the iconic moments that, you know, that I have come to love and go back to, or at least that I have looked at kind of side-eyed or whatever, but they were notable to me. So in the Mike Wallace 60 Minutes interview, she was showing him her home in Switzerland. Now, baby, you talk about a bad house. (laughs) My daughter was like, she lives in a castle. (laughs) Well, I don't know if you, it's a castle, but it's definitely a a mansion and it is on Lake Zurich. So I'm talking about something that people would absolutely dream about living in. This is where Tina made her life. And um, so Mike Wallace with his little smart ass self asked her, Tina, do you deserve all this? And she looked at him without batting an eye and said, I deserve more. <laughs> you know, that voice she had, I deserve more. <laughs> I was like, damn right. You tell him, Tina, <laughs> how you going to come in that woman's house, look at her stuff and ask her, does she think she deserves all this? So, damn right. She deserves it. Oh, child, people, people don't get me started on why I think he asked her that question. I'll just leave that up to you to imagine. Now, again, I'll go back to the Larry King interview. Um, There was a part in the interview where he was asking her about um, her practices as far as like, you know, how long she's gone somewhere, where all she goes and in the process of making records. And um, Larry King asked her something to the extent of. Um, well, what does your boyfriend think about all that? And Tina was like, and I'm trying to wonder why that matters. (laughs) Now, I am paraphrasing, but Her question was, what he got to do with it? Okay. I'm a grown ass woman. I have made a life for myself. I don't need anyone to take care of me. He was rich, of course, but she also had her own money and she had her own plan and she had her own way of doing things. So to her it was like why are you asking me what he thinks about it it doesn't really matter what he thinks about it per se i'm living my life doing it the way i want to do it <laughs> so again that's lady g's interpretation of it you'll have to go listen for yourself that's on the larry king interview now another one of her interviews and i think it was it wasn't her last interview but i think it was one of her most in-depth interviews. And that was with Oprah back in 2013. Now this one really kind of touched me because I had just not long lost my mom. She had passed away maybe a little less than a year before this interview. And Tina was on her, um, on her honeymoon after, you know, getting married at like the age of 73. So she was... Willing to go back and talk about the old Ike days because, you know, naturally there are people who are still going to want to ask her questions like, you know, why did you stay so long? How did you survive it? And she's often said that it does take a smart person to be able to survive in a situation like that and come out of it. So she was talking about how she would go into the kitchen, Ike would ask her, what's on your mind? And she would say nothing. (laughs) And she said she actually had to practice having nothing on her mind because she knew that, you know, if she really said what was on her mind, that was probably going to lead into all kind of wahala. So I thought that was interesting because she was like, I mean, how can someone have nothing on their mind? Something is always on your mind, stupid. (laughs) And I fell out laughing when she said that. I thought that was funny. But the one thing that really got me, and again, this is why I bring up my mom, because as I said, my mom had not um, had not been gone for a year. When this interview came out, the subject of death came up and the afterlife. And she was like, I am curious about it. I want to know what it is. <laughs> I want to know all about it. And I thought that was such a interesting way to put it because she she brought up the fact that, you know, hey, nobody can tell you, you know, what it is. No one has been able to really come back and tell you. Now, don't get me wrong. We have people who talk about near-death experiences and some people who claim they were literally clinically deceased and have come back. But, you know, again, nobody nobody has been dead for a long time and come back. I mean, it ain't like somebody rose from the dead out the cemetery and came back and was like, child, let me tell y'all what happened. So basically her point was, I'm curious about it. And she said, I'm not ready to die, but I am curious about it and I'm not afraid. So somehow that gave me a little bit of solace what else do I want to say about Tina? Yeah. Something else that, you know, a lot of people don't really think about, um, in her later years, especially when she was sick, Tina lost both of her biological sons. Her first, um, son Craig died. I think it was 2019 or something like that. And I believe he, I'm not sure if he, you know, if he took his own life or not, I'm not sure, but I think he did. And in an interview, she was talking about, you know, how sad she was about that. And She felt like he was always smiling, but that he was alone. So again, another tragedy. And then just recently in December of 2022, I believe it was, her youngest son passed away. Now, I don't know the circumstances around his death, but he did pass away and she talked about in a Instagram post or or maybe somewhere on social media how he had passed away you know much too soon and you, and you know there is no way as a mother and I know this cuz I have two children that you are going to endure major illnesses enduring this time of battling major illnesses, you learn that both of your biological sons have passed away. That, that takes a lot of wind out of your cells, I'm sure. I mean, just even for a healthy person to lose two sons in a real short span of time, that's one thing. But then to be ill... And to have that happen, that that's really a lot. So she was just a beautifully strong woman. I respect every single thing about her. She is going to be my teacher for the rest of my life through this book, Happiness Becomes You. Um, it's kind of funny because I happened to look back on um, my little order receipt and I saw where the book was temporarily out of um, stock. So I got it just in time. Now, I'm sure they'll probably be able to get some more books in stock. But at the time through Barnes and Noble, the, um, the book was out of stock. So you may be able to catch it on Amazon. So what else do I want to talk about? Oh, yeah, I want to talk about happy pride. Happy pride to the LGBTQIA plus community. Um, And I feel the need to speak on this because I have always had gay and lesbian friends in my life ever since I can remember. Now. I remember in high school, and I'm going to take you back even further when I was in probably not even elementary school, the very first gay person I encountered. But in high school, I had a friend named Sandy and Sandy and I have been buddies for a long time. We used to have a good time together. Now, Sandy was Puerto Rican, but of course she spoke English. (laughs) And why do I say that? Because whenever we would go out like to the mall together um, and some guys would come up and start talking to us, that heifer would pretend like she did not understand English. And I would be looking at her like, you know you understand what they say. So it would leave me to be the one to talk to them, you know, and basically say, we are not interested or whatever. And they would say something to her. She would start speaking in Spanish and I would get so irritated with her. (laughs) And then whenever the guys would leave, she would fall out laughing at me. I'm like, I'm going to fix your ass. (laughs) I'm going to fix you. (laughs) Anyway, so Sandy called me one day. And she sound not her chipper, um, typical self. So I'm like, Sandy, what's wrong? And she said, well, I have something I want to tell you. And I was like, oh, Lord. And I said, well, go ahead. She was like, I don't want to tell you over the phone. And I was like, Okay. She was like, can you meet me at the park? There was a little park nearby where I was living at the time. And I said, yeah. Anyway, Sandy, you know, had met me at the park, and she was looking kind of glum, and I was like, what, Sandy, what's up? And she said, Um I just wanted to tell you that I am, I'm a lesbian. <laughs> and I looked at her, and I was like, girl, you scared the shit out of me. I thought you was going to tell me you dying or something. <laughs> I'm like, I know you are a lesbian. Okay, what? And she looked at me and she died laughing. And we just kind of, you know, hugged each other and fell out laughing about it. Because I thought to myself, now, why in the world did Sandy think I didn't know she was a lesbian? (laughs) I knew she was a lesbian. (laughs) Anyway, I've had gay men in my life as far as I can remember. Um, When I was a little girl, there was Henry. Henry. Now, Henry was a hairdresser, as we call them here in the South. And sometimes when there was a special event or something, my mom would take me to Henry and let Henry straighten my hair out because I had that kind of hair we call bubblegum hair. It's shrinkage is real. (laughs) So it's a lot longer than it looks because I have a kind of a curly grade of hair that really does shrink. So, anyway, Mama would take me to Henry to get him to straighten my hair out. So when I would go in there and he would straighten it out and all the ladies would sit there and say, oh, her hair is so long and so pretty. And he would say... This is my girlfriend from Alabama. He would say Alabama, although I was born, born and raised in Georgia. But my parents are from Alabama, so that's why he would say that. He said, this is my girlfriend from Alabama, and y'all helpers are jealous. I know y'all jealous. <laughs> and I was be sitting there thinking, well... How am I his girlfriend when Henry acts more like mama than he does daddy? But you know, this is three-year-old thinking here. So anyway, Henry, he was he was something else. He was a tall dude, real muscular. He had a ball head. And he always had on like a tank top with blue jeans and a leather purse. He went nowhere without his leather purse. Honey, I think he was doing hair with the damn leather purse on his shirt. I guess that's where he kept his money. Anyway, one time we were in the beauty shop and you know, if you if you know anything about beauty shops, Especially, you know, in black beauty shops, there's always some character coming into the shop wanting to sell something or to hawk something, you know. So this guy was in there selling something and Henry was like, he was asking Henry, you know, hey, man, you want to buy this? And Henry was like, nah, man, I'm, you know, I'm I'm doing hair right now. I'm not interested in looking at that. Why did he call Henry the F word? (laughs) You know what I'm and and I'm not saying um the f u c k word it was the f a you know what word a derogatory um term for um gay men, honey, Henry set that straightening comb in that little that little hot stove holder, and he looked at that man and was like, "I will lay down my sissyhood and whoop your ass." <laughs> boy do you hear me when I tell you that the whole beauty parlor fell out laughing and they was like okay time's up for you bruh get out so the man left he went on about his business now I asked my mama about that and mama was like um girl Henry always had a switchblade in his purse (laughs) Nobody didn't mess with Henry. He could walk up and down 12th Street, 9th Street in Augusta, all down in May Park, and this is some of the more rough areas. Now, due to gentrification, it might not be that way now, but back then, honey, if you didn't know somebody down that way, if they weren't familiar with you, you, you was treading on thin ice. So anyway, Henry walked all over that place, and nobody bothered Henry. I loved him. He was... He was my heart. So I guess I was going to be his girlfriend and he was going to be my boyfriend. (laughs) Now, you hear my little papers turning here. I want to talk about my mom and how she was like a covering for a lot of gay men. Um... We had a lot of gay men who would flock to our house because my mom was always like the second mom to these men. Uh, Now, don't get me wrong. All of them were very close to their mothers. No, we weren't talking about situations where people were disowned or anything. No, these men were very close to their mothers. But my mom was the mother figure that they could talk to when they wanted to talk about intimate issues regarding their relationships. You know, they wanted to get that motherly advice. They couldn't talk to their moms about that. Cause the mom was like, child, one day you are going to be <laughs> straight. You know, they still had these dreams of the, of their sons coming home saying, Hey, I was just joking. I wasn't gay. I was, you know, I'm straight now, but you know, that wasn't going to happen. In fact, one of our um, friends, he said, you know, my mom would love for me to bring home a girl like Gwen. And my mom looked at him and I looked at him smiling. He said, but honey, it ain't never gonna happen. (laughs) And child, let me tell you, it most certainly was not gonna happen. So she was like their queen and I was the little princess. So let me tell you about the little princess, honey. One time the little princess, that's me, Lady G, was getting ready to go to a party. Well, apparently I didn't have on the right outfit to the liking of one of mom's friends. (laughs) So he was like, where are you going? And I said, I'm going to a party. And he said, honey, with a skirt that short, you are the party. I suggest you go back up them steps and change that, (laughs) change that outfit. And I looked at him and he looked at me and then he looked at my mama and they both looked at me and back up the steps I went. (laughs) And I put on a longer skirt because he was like, honey, with that on, you are not going to the party. You are the party. (laughs) Now, we had another really close family friend named David. Now, David was really, really close to my aunt my Aunt Bob. And I'll tell you about my Aunt Bob later. In fact, I'm hoping I can get her on here one day. But anyway, um, David was devoted to my Aunt Bob and he was at her house all the time. and, And he was also, you know, really close to me and my mom and my cousins. And there wasn't anything he wouldn't do for us. I miss him so much. He passed away in 1997. I remember one time we used to go to this club called a doctor's house child down in Follow Alabama, honey. <laughs> Shout out to Follow. <laughs> we would be at the club and we would come in there, me and him, because we would come in a little bit later after, you know, mom and them had already been there. And we would come in and get out on that dance floor. But let me tell you, when he played and the beat goes on by the whispers and that long version, honey. David would get out there and kick and spin. <laughs> he would show out because that was his jam, honey. Uh, one time, a slow song came on. I was like, "Come on, David, let's dance." And he was like, "Uh, uh-uh, uh, honey, you might not hold me right, <laughs> child." He wasn't trying to get too close to no woman. Do you hear me when I tell you? Now, one of my last, last good times that I had with a couple of gay friends was at a gay bar. And this particular night, now, we used to go down to this gay bar to see the queens go out there and lip sync. Honey, they used to show out and you talk about having a good time. Now, I'll tell you. One thing about going to a gay bar, you have to know how to act in somebody's house. Do you hear me? You don't, you don't go down there acting like it's some kind of, um, spectacle. Basically, you don't go down there acting up like it's all about you. You are in their place. You follow the way they do things. Okay. So this particular night that we went, they had, a um, like an open mic kind of, um, What do you call that when you sit, lip sync, a lip sync. So, you know, I went and um, decided that I was going to actually lip sync. So the guy was like, okay, so here are our, you know, the songs that we have. And all you have to do is put your name down. And then when they get ready to play the song, they'll call your name out. And then you, you know, you go on the stage and play the song and we'll put the words up on the screen. So I was looking through there, and I found "If I Can't Have You" by Yvonne Elliman. Child, I got up there when that song came on. I kicked off my heels because I used to be—I used to wear some heels back in the day, baby. I kicked them heels out on the floor, and I was out there. If I can't have you, I don't want nobody, baby. <laughs> I mean, everybody was having a ball. We had a ball. Everybody was clapping and, you know, kind of cheering me on as I sang that song. I was twirling and kicking like I was David, honey. (laughs) It didn't help that I had had a couple of cocktails. And I will tell you, they makes a good cocktail down there. Anyway, after the fact, one of the last things I remember was at closing time. There was me, my friend, and a couple of other guys. We were all locked in, arm in arm, sitting at the bar singing, You picked a fine time to leave me, Lucia <laughs> we, we had a good time that night. Now, remember I told you I kicked off my shoes before I started singing If I Can't Have You. Well, as we're getting ready to leave, I'm like hey, where are my shoes? I can't find my shoes. So I looked at the end of the bar and this queen, she was, you know, she was dressed, honey, to the nines. And she waved at me. She was like, honey, I got your shoes and you lucky I can't wear these little old six and a half. (laughs) And I gave her a hug and you know, a kind of kiss on the cheek. And, um, we left out of there and that's the last time I've been to that gay club. So, but we used to have us a good time. Basically, I said all that to say I am an ally because I was taught to be an ally. Not We never heard the word ally. My mom would, if you ask her, are you an ally? Now, my mom, like I said, is is not with us anymore. But if you if she were here and you said, well, now, Miss Eva, are you an ally to the L- LGBTQIA? <laughs> you know, she would be like, first of all, I don't know who you talking about. And, and ally, what do you mean? you know she didn't know all the letters she didn't know all of the um all of the terms that we use today but she was definitely an ally she was there for them when they didn't have anybody else to really talk to about the things that mattered to them she was a covering for them. And I'm proud of my mom for being that way. I'm proud of my aunt for being that way. I don't have any regrets about it at all. And, you know, happy pride. (laughs) It's getting late. I see the evening star setting over in the west. And I have had a good time talking to y'all today. I left a whole lot of meat on the bones for y'all. Be sure and share this episode and, you know, also follow me on Instagram. I'm over there as the Southern Witching Hour. um, And there are underscores in between the words. The underscore Southern underscore witching hour underscore between witching and hour. And, you know, join me over there. See what I'm talking about, what I'm doing. Um, what else do I want to say? Oh, if you have any comments or questions, you can drop me a line at Gwen, G-W-I-N, at com. <laughs> Y'all take care. And remember, Lady G loves you.